0: Hey, thanks for checking out Passionate Life Church. If you'd love to get to know us more, please visit us at PassionateLifeChurch.com. We're so glad that you've joined us. Get ready for an awesome message. Man, it is so good to be back in church, especially this church. As you said, this is my first time here. And we have loved Passionate Life Church from a distance. My wife has obviously got to be here more than me. I've just kind of watched in awe and been praying alongside you guys, And such an honor to be here. Uh, You've already met my wife. I don't think you guys have met my kids. Maybe Hallie, my my, my daughter Hallie, you might have come out here. But uh, we now have a teenager in the house as of today. Our oldest turns 13. Uh, That's pretty crazy. Pray for us. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready for that season, but it's upon us. So here we go. Uh, So we've got Logan. He's 13 today. We've got Jesse. They'll be here at the 11 o'clock. And our daughter Hallie. You guys have met my wife, most of you anyway. She's by far the better half. Uh, I married way out of my league. I am the man I am today because of her. Um, just true. And so uh, for me, it's especially uh, just great to be here because, uh, let me just pause in like what I'm even talking about today. If you, if you ignore everything else I'm going to say, don't miss this. You guys have some incredible pastors. Um, it, it, it's been a joy of mine. We've served in churches all over America over the last 15 years And uh, I have yet to meet somebody uh, like the awesome couple you have leading you guys and their team that have the passion, that have the shepherd's heart, that are, in this season especially, I know there are churches who are struggling, leaders who are suffocating under the weight of how to lead a church through online and getting back in or not, and all all the question marks that go in with this, it is really heavy. And your pastors carry it so well. And so if you miss everything else, and don't miss this, is that, Go out of your way this week, next week. Set a reminder on your phone before you leave to honor your, your, your pastor team. Uh, take them out to lunch if you're doing that. Hug them if you can. Uh, honor them. Thank them. And I, just if I was in the shoes they're in right now, I would be, I would need a boost of encouragement. I'd need to know we're doing something and that God is working in your life. So share some stories. But I'm incredibly blessed by their friendship. Um, kind of goes back to, really, we've known you guys for a little over a year now. I feel like it's crazy God connection. Uh, Back in October of 2019 is when I really came to, you know, I appreciated their friendship, but really came to value it because I realized how much it meant to me. Uh, October 2019, me and my wife were leading a semi-small church in Colorado Springs, and I had hit a brick wall of discouragement. I was overwhelmed uh, for the first time in 14, 15 years of doing ministry. Uh, More than just the the 30 seconds after you leave and somebody says something rude after a service or something like that, and you're like, this stinks. I'm not doing this anymore. And 30 seconds go by, and you're like, okay, no, I'm made for this. I'm doing ministry. For the first time ever in my life, I debated prayerfully two weeks, maybe pushing three weeks of walking away from the ministry. I had never been that low in ministry. There have been times in life I'd hit lows, but not in ministry. It was always like, well, I'm terrible at all these other areas of my life but ministry's my calling, what else would I do? And I got to sit across from these dear friends and they spoke crazy life into me. Um, Incredibly thankful for those conversations where you reminded me what I was made for, and I know you did it with your people and the friendship there. So uh, I'm not gonna get into all the details. I'll save the story, but I was overwhelmed. I was in a season that needed to come to an end, and that's kinda what I wanna talk about today. Um, Because here's what I know. (laughs) We all have struggles. Right, We all have issues. And if we're honest, I mean, all of us are probably struggling in different ways right now. Sin, life, emotions, marriage, friendships, isolation, whatever it is, we all have struggles. We've all got something that is working in our life to tear us down, to empty us of so many things. For me, it was my God-given calling. I was being torn down and emptied and distracted from what was really called on my life. And so, you know, I know all of us have different things we're working through. And before you get thinking, I'm just talking about COVID, that's, that's just a universal issue right now. We're all struggling with that. That's not even what I'm talking about today. That, you know, for some people, COVID has been tough. It, it, it's been a struggle. I know many here, you have family or friends who've been impacted by it in negative ways. Most of the conversations I've had, though, it's been kind of a gift for those that weren't physically impacted by it or emotionally through friends. Uh, for me, it was honestly kind of a gift. And it, it sounds weird to say it like that, but it was a time to kind of pull away from the crazy. Uh, the pace that we were running, and for me to like refocus on the things that matter most, to reprioritize some things, to strengthen my marriage, to spend some quality time with my kids. For me, I got to pull away and say, okay, God, you've got my attention. The world is shut down. I can't do all the things I'm normally doing. And I, I let him start speaking to me. I heard a still, small voice for probably the first time in a while, if I'm honest. And COVID for me was that season to slow things down and refocus. I don't know what it's been like for you. It's been like a roller coaster, right? It started off really great, and then it got really terrible, and then it kind of was like, okay, now we're finding a new rhythm, and then it's all going to change, right? We don't have a clue what's going to happen with all of this, but I am super thankful for the second chance it gave me. I'm super thankful for the turnaround that happened in, in my inner life, in my heart, in my close relationship that I had kind of just, you know, it was there. I was preaching every Sunday. I was leading. I was doing all the things, so I had to be in the Word, but there, it was a different pursuit when that's all I had, Right? Jesus kind of isolated our life out to say, I am right here. I'm the biggest thing in your life if you just look to me. And so for me, you know, I don't know when it's going to get back to normal, if it will ever get back to normal. But I'm hoping that the changes in the habits and patterns in my life that I've been able to put in place during this time will stay with me afterwards, that the new rhythms will stick. And so what we're going to do today, because I think there's a lot of us who have looked at this and been like, this season is so long. This just needs to come to an end. I don't know if it ever will. It might kind of stay like this. But we're going to look at a story in Scripture today. Verses will be on the screen. If you got your word, get to Mark. But we're going to look at a story of somebody who was in need of a very long season coming to an end. And I think it's a a story probably most of you have heard. It's one that I I, we should just kind of skim over, like, oh, that's really cool. And the last several months and even, you know, uh, over the last year, I've realized looking back, I connect with this story more than I ever thought possible. And I hope it's going to be the same for you today. And it's really, really cool because we don't even know this person's name. Scripture doesn't even give us a name, which is really kind of fun for me because it can be anybody. I look at it like it could be me. I look at it like it could be you. I don't know how it's going to apply to everybody differently in the room. But this story is one that that we might be familiar with, but we don't know who it is. It's a story of a woman who has a particular problem. Three out of four Gospels talk about it you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the same story from their own perspective. But Mark, Mark's letter, I kind of like the way it, it, he portrays it. So Jesus is on his way to help a man whose daughter is literally about to die. You can read that story on your own. It's right before these verses. But verse 24 says, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed. So he's got a crowd around him, right? Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. I've not read it in this version in a long time, but I remember when I first got saved, I ever heard a preacher preach on this. And he, old King James, this was the, the woman with the issue of blood, right? That's how we knew her. And many of us know who this, this woman is without ever knowing her name. Because sometimes our problem can become so big in our life that it swallows up our identity. I don't know where you're at right now. For me, and probably for you in different ways, there's been problems in our life that have so consumed us that it's become all we can see. And and I don't know about you, have you ever had something so consume you that you forgot who you were in the process? You forgot, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm called to be a good dad. Hey, I'm called to be a good husband or wife. Hey, I have a calling on my life to be used by God. And this problem so surrounding me that that's all I see, that I am just this thing that I'm wrestling with. You talk to somebody, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm struggling, this, this, this. And you're like, becomes all that we are, and we struggle, and we lose our identity outside of who who God has called us to be. Now, she would have been known in her whole town, which if you can just imagine that, having a reputation as we know her today, as the woman with the issue. Oh, yeah, that, that lady who's always bleeding, that lady with that issue, we know who she is. They didn't even know who she was, but they knew about her issue. See, this issue has consumed her. It's overwhelmed her. It's taken over her. And can we just admit real quick, even a show of hands or you can just say it with me, say, we got issues. We got issues, <laughs> right? I put two hands up because I got serious issues. If my wife was here, you could ask her, right? We all have issues that we are wrestling with, all different things that we're working through. And, and the, the struggles that we have, if we let them, can consume us to the point where it's all we talk about, it's all we think about, and if we're even praying at all, it's all we pray about. I've been in those seasons. And what happens in those moments is we really have to guard our hearts. Scripture talks about this, guard your heart, right? There's lots of different contexts for this, but we have to guard our hearts from what is happening because if we're not careful, we will start to magnify the problem in our life so much that we end up glorifying the problem instead of the God who can overcome it, right? We get to this point, and maybe it consumes us. And after a while, not only can we lose sight of who we are, but we start to lose sight of who he is. So much so that the only thing now big in our life is our problem and not our God. Just do some inventory. When was the last time you were there? Because we've all been there. And God becomes our last resort. And we get to this place where it's the only thing big in our perspective. It's all we can see. It's all we focus on. And I mean You know, I know, you know, we still know God is there. We still know he's big. We still know he's accessible. But what happens when we make our issue and how it affects us our focus, we lose confidence in that God. We lose the the passion to pray to him because we're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. And we just forget. We, We go to social media. We go to friends. We go to family. We complain. We find the dumbest things to complain about when there's one big thing in our life, right? And so what happens is all these other things become the focus instead of the confidence in a God who is near and big and available to us in every moment. So let's set the scene. Matthew 5 or Mark 5 verse 25. We see it again. There was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay for them. But she'd gotten no better. Everybody say no better. So it's not mo better. She got no better, right? She's gotten no better. In fact, she's gotten worse. This woman has had this issue for 12 overwhelming years. She has carried the same thing. Now, I'm I'm pretty easygoing. I'm typically, I I don't get caught up in a lot of things. I, I don't let things overwhelm me. Right? My wife says that she wishes I was more passionate in some ways because I tend to just kind of be even keeled until I get like really excited about something. Usually when I'm preaching or usually when I'm, you know, doing something fun outdoors with my kids, like I get crazy excited, but I tend to be pretty even keeled. When I've had an issue for two weeks, I can kind of cover it up. When I struggle with something for a couple months, even, I may not even reach out to a friend. I'm just like, well, I can kind of avoid this for a little bit and pretend it's not there. Any enneagram any, any people in the room? I'm a seven, so I, I, I can stay out of conflict really well. Right? I can avoid the chaos a ton. So for me, I can kind of get by for a little while, but if I had the same struggle for a year, that would be tough. 12 years? That's debilitating. That's crippling. I don't know what issues you've been fighting, but I imagine there's some in the room today that have been wrestling with the same issues For years, you've struggled. For me, I tend to think I'm strong, right? I I can handle this. October 2019, sitting across the table from dear friends, I realized really fast, even the strong get tired over time. When the same things, just wave after wave after wave, drowning the joy, drowning the passion right out of your life. Even the strong grow tired over time because long problems have a tendency to drain us, don't they? Because we throw everything at it. We can fix it. We can do something about this, right? We're going to pour our emotional strength and energy into this. We're going to bring our friends into this. We're going to pour our finances into whatever this problem is because we're going to find a way. We're going to bootstraps up. We're going to fix this thing. We're going to overcome it. I imagine when this problem first happened to this woman that she had the resource to fix it, at least in her mind, right? She had that emotional gut, right, that, that grind within her that, that I'm going to, man, this is an issue, but I, I can do this and she could rise up. She would have had a friend system, a family around her. She would have probably had a husband at the time. We don't even know it. What we know is that all that's gone. The years have isolated her. The years have taken everything away. She, she obviously had finances, at least in the beginning, some sort of finances. Scripture tells us that she spent all her money on doctors and their broken promises of being able to fix her. She had drained everything into this problem. And I wonder today, How many of you have drained different parts of your life? Finances, emotional energy, spiritual hype, excitement for what God is doing. You just pour all that out, like I can do it, we can do it, God, you got this, and the problem continues, and what happens is we pour everything into it only to come up empty. I wonder what problem you're facing today, because we all got them. Maybe you or someone you love has spent time and money trying to help a friend or a brother, a sister, maybe even yourself out of some addiction, only to watch it in the last few months through COVID. You get isolated out. You think it's, things are just too bad and you fall right back into it. Maybe you listened to my wife's message a few weeks ago about offering forgiveness for, we've been forgiven much, and you did. You, you looked at that person and said, hey, you know what? I love you. I choose to forgive you. And you, you hoped in that relationship only to get hurt again. Maybe in this season or long season you've been struggling through a marriage or a relationship that you thought was about defeat and you said you know what God I'm gonna I'm gonna call on hope I'm gonna call on you we're gonna grind through this God I'm gonna start believing in this again I'm gonna start working for this again only to have it not reciprocated and you're still either teetering on divorce or it already happened or you know somebody who it is and you're watching people's lives just fall apart I don't know what the struggle has been for you I don't know what your issue's been or how it shaped you as long as you've carried it or those you love, whatever the issue, maybe it's been a sin struggle, right? Maybe it's been too much alcohol or drugs or it's been you know lust or anger or pride or you're struggling with you know, constant depression or something from your past. I don't know what your struggle has been, but here's what I do know. Whatever that issue is, Satan's is just laughing. Satan wants to use that issue. Not, he, he wants to kill you, right? He comes to, you know, kill, seek, and destroy anything that is God's. That's his mission, but I have to believe that he's content just to isolate us out and make us feel like we can't talk to God, make us feel like we're not worthy, and make us feel like we're not good enough for God's love, where he can just incapacitate us from being used. I think he's pretty content with that. And so he just laughs because his goal in the whole thing, and COVID has just poured a little fuel on his plan. His whole plan is just to isolate us out from God. To make us think, he might even give you strength to make you think you're strong on your own. That's isolation from God, right? I can do this. I'm self-sufficient. We live in Denver, right? I mean, we can do this. We're strong. We're in a financial good society. All the circumstances in our life, Satan is driving us to physical, emotional, spiritual isolation. And For this woman, in her day, that's exactly what she would have had the law back in like Leviticus 15, where all these things were laid out, a woman with an issue like hers couldn't have relationship. She had to declare herself unclean. Somebody that would have wanted to come up and hug sticker her, right? Somebody that would have wanted to come up and love on her, she had to go unclean, unclean. I think about this. Honestly, passages like this are the or the lepers. When I hear people cough and how everybody's like, what? And you're like, man, it's allergies, I swear, it's not COVID, right? You feel like you gotta like apologize for like allergies at this point, and it's just the way it is. And it's kind of like, unclean. You know, trust me, I'm clean. This would have been the opposite for this woman. People want to come up, and they maybe the first few years she's struggling, but she had to be declared unclean. Don't come near me. Not only is she already isolated, but now she has to tell others to stay away. I can't imagine that because I've been there when I'm isolated, and thankfully I had friends who came to me at Medicine Castle Rock loved us like crazy. We've all, we had people in our life, you have had people in your life who have come to you in these tough seasons. But whoever, you know, this woman touched, they had to be declared unclean. So nobody wanted a part of it. Her children couldn't hug her. Her husband couldn't hold her. Everything that she had, her family, they would have all separated from her because her issue had isolated her. All of us Just the last three months, we got a small glimpse of what that is, but some of you have been wrestling with isolation because of your problem, because of your issue, because of the guilt that overwhelms you, because of whatever Satan has tricked you into thinking you can't come to God with this, you can't come to his people with this. We live in this isolation where we don't don't let it all out. We just kind of hold it in and say, you know, I'm good. And inside, we are dying. Our problem, if we let it, if we let Satan through it, can isolate us from the things that matter most. I want you to know, Jesus understands. Jesus chose isolation. So many times he'd be with the crowds and he would choose to pull away. It's a beautiful picture. In the midst of everything going on and all the miracles he could have been doing, Jesus prioritized isolation. Do you know this? He pulled away to the mountains. He'd pull away where they'd be like, hey, where's Jesus? And, you know, they'd be like, oh, he's up in the mountains with God. For me, that's been an awakening. I needed to pull away. It's been running. We can't run for so long. Even Jesus pulled away. We need some sort of isolation, but it's not like I can't talk to God or anybody. It's, God, I need you so desperately so that I can love the people that are so broken like me around me. Right? Jesus sees you. He sees what you're wrestling with. He doesn't turn his back to you. He sees you not like the world does and especially not how you do. I see myself as broken and worthless sometimes and and so messed up and all these things, and I should know better, and I wrestle with all these things. The backwards, twisted view that we have of ourselves, Jesus sees through that. He sees a child that he loves deeply, unconditionally, that he died for. Now, you you didn't get to meet my kids this service yet. They'll be here next one. I can't ever picture letting one of them die for you. Jesus, as God's son, willingly went to the cross and suffered in our place. He loves you so much. He wants you to experience his forgiveness. He wants you to understand his love. And most of all, I believe he wants relationship with you. I think about Jesus dying for me. And all the stuff that I know he sees that I've done and thought and said and all the, all the pride or whatever it is in my life. And I see him looking down for me like, I want that guy in my family. And I'll do whatever it takes. And so this plan got formed from the beginning of time that he would come and make a way for you and me to have relationship, to be in his family with him. That's what he's done for me, even though I've got all these issues. See, he sees me. And he desires for me to be made new, to be made whole, and that's only possible through him. Because here's what he knows. With all the struggles you're facing right now, Jesus knows, if you're like me, which I'm guessing most of you probably are, it's hard for me to get outside of my problem until I realize I can't help my problem. Follow me. I'll talk to friends about it. I'll try to deal with it and suck it up on my own and do whatever it takes. When I realize I don't have the resources, the strength, the ability to overcome whatever this is on my own, I turn to prayer wholeheartedly, don't I? Some of you guys are prayer warriors. We are so thankful that that's your heart. I'm not wired naturally to just spend an hour in prayer. I am way too scatterbrained to do that. I, I, I start a conversation with God in the morning, and I just don't say amen until the day's done, because I'll be driving work. Oh, God, hey, uh, here, one more thing. Hey, God, I need you right now. And there's times I'll pull away, get, I got a little closet area, I'll get in and pray, and I'm praying for specific things of the people in my life that i am you know, committed to pray for. But I struggle just to say, hey, God, here's one more issue. Here's one more thing. I wait until, like, I'm overwhelmed and exploding sometimes, and that's just a weakness in me. But what happens is Jesus knows that so often we won't call out to him until we have no other option. And sometimes, in his grace, he allows us to have every other door closed because he knows that's, that's the only time we might come to him. He knows that we pray about the things that are outside of our control. So he lets things get out of our control because he wants relational closeness. That's his desire for you. He doesn't want you to feel so guilty and broken and messed up that, oh God, I'll come to you when I'm good. He's like, no, 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 I need you right now. I'm ready for you right now. See, listen to how Paul, Paul had this thing, like, we we know it as the thorn in the flesh, right? We have no idea what this is. I know there was multiple times he prayed about it, but there was three distinct times we know that he, like, begged God. I don't know what that session looked like, but 2 Corinthians 12, 8 says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. Three times I, I met my end. I have hit rock bottom. I am begging God to take this out of my life because I don't know how I'm going to continue without it. And you know what he said to me? My grace is sufficient. It's enough. My grace is enough for you because when you're weak, I'm most powerful. When, when you act like you, you, you need me and you can't do this alone, that's when I show up even bigger. My power is made perfect, not just stronger. It's perfected. It's complete. It's whole. When I admit I'm broken. He's given us God's people to do that with. Jesus talked about this. John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine. I'm that, that thing that gets all the water and soaks up all the nutrients and pushes it out through the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If anyone remains in me, stays in that, some, pulling away for a little isolation, staying in a heart of prayer, guiding my life through worship and the word, if you'll stay and you'll remain in me, and I in you, which I promised to do, you will bear much fruit. Your life will flourish. You'll be of impact. I see your sign outside. The one You can plug in and it glows with a little eye. It looks like you can push. Impact. We're made for it. And uh, in Jesus, we can bear much fruit, much impact. But he says this, and this is what we know to be true. Apart from him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, for a go-getter, that's a, that's a pretty scary thought. I can do all this stuff, and yet it's nothing because I'm not doing it in his strength. I'm not doing it for his purpose. I'm not doing it with a united heart to him. See, this woman that we're talking about, we don't even know her name. It could be me. It could be you. Whatever the issue is, she's hit rock bottom because she did all that she could apart from Jesus. She done it on her own. Spent her finances, her relational you know, equity, her strength, all of it. All of it has been apart from Jesus, and if you're hearing this today, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've come to rock bottom yet or you're just coming through it or you know it's on the horizon. I don't know where you're at today in this long season, but I, I imagine you've probably been there or there right now where maybe you feel just a little distant. You feel a little removed or like you're doing things apart from Jesus. And I gotta let you know, if that's how you're feeling right now, if your prayers have been kind of struggling, if your walk has been kind of you know, teetering on you know, just getting busy in life or just like kind of ignoring the issues that you're walking through right now, I gotta let you know. You're in prime position. (laughs) You're right where God wants you. If you're fighting a problem right now that is bigger than you can fix or solve on your own, you are just right for Jesus. (laughs) Maybe for the first time in a long time, you're to this place where your attention is up and you're ready to receive his goodness in your life. Mark 5, 27. She had heard about Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're hearing about Jesus. So what she did, she heard about this man who could heal, this man who claimed to be God, this man who was doing these incredible things. And so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, right? Secretly, I can just picture this woman, she's trying to hide herself. She's supposed to be unclean. Her face is probably mostly covered. She's coming through the crowd, and she's thinking to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. And so she reaches through the crowd, and in face she reaches out and touches his robe. Read the next words out loud with me. Immediately, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible 12-year condition. Come on, somebody. (laughs) 12 years of battling the same struggle and immediately in her even secret, hidden, almost embarrassed, knows it could be punished, reaches out, Kind of in shame, but in great faith, she comes to Jesus, and immediately her identity changes. She's no longer the woman with that issue. It's gone. She's been changed. She's been made new. This is something we're celebrating, but here's the thought I had as I looked at this. Earlier, we read that the crowds followed him. We get one story of a woman in a crowd of many who had this moment where she reached out in faith and touched him. How many others do you think touched him that day and experienced nothing? How many others brushed past the savior of the world and didn't believe? How many others saw him, watched him doing miraculous miracles in the lives of everybody in the rows around them doing all these things, but never really believed it was possible for them? How many people even felt his touch as he walked by loving, touching, hugging, wasn't COVID, right? Hugging everybody, being available. He was there watching them be touched, and yet they stayed in doubt. Where are you in that crowd today? Jesus is walking through. He's available all the time. We see him. We see him moving. We see him answer prayers in other people's lives. He's brushing past you. Where's our faith? To reach and say, God, I need you. I can't do this alone. I need you. And in that moment, this woman who was known as the woman with the issue experiences the glory of God and immediately undeniably undeniably is made new. She's immediately healed. But get this. It doesn't stop there. She could have just gone back to her new life now, found her family, gotten things back in her terms. But Jesus, that's not all he wanted for her. He wants to find this woman. Healing goes out from him but he wants her to be made whole. Physical healing is not where it stops for Jesus, right? It doesn't stop there. So there's a couple words that begin Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, that are just profound. In this moment where she is healed, look at this. It says, but Jesus turned around. He could have continued. Power went out. She's healed. He's done what she was in faith asking for. He could have gone, he's helping another guy with his daughter who's about to die, but Jesus turned around. He wants to find this woman. He wants not just to physically heal her, but to relationally, emotionally, spiritually, God relationship, restore her in full. See, sometimes he takes away our issues. Sometimes he radically changes our season. A lot of other times, at least in my life, What he does is change my perspective through the season. I've wrestled with some of the same issues most of my life. A lot of them are sin issues. A lot of them are pride or I, I, you know, I I tend to, you know, think I'm less than what God has called me to be. And insecurities are just crazy in my life. I tend to wrestle with the same things. And I've got other things. I mean, I found out back in 2015, I have like an internal bottling anger issue that I didn't even realize. I broke my hand. I had another uncontrollable part in my life, went down in my prayer closet to pray, didn't realize the floor was concrete underneath. Break two bones in your hand, that's what it works. Punch the floor, it's crazy. I don't usually share that, but real life, right? God has continually restored, not just what's been broken in my life, but what's been lost and forgotten in my life of who he is and who he's called me to be. See, I'm so thankful that God is still the God of the turnaround, because that day Jesus turned around and it turned everything around. And I gotta tell you, church, for you and me, that could be the day. Mark 5:30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples are like, Jesus, look at this crowd. How can you ask who touched you? Everybody touched you, God, right? How are you asking this? But he kept on looking to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done, which is dangerous. She's supposed to say, I'm unclean, and she just walked up and touched a prophet? She could be stoned. Surely she's going to be rejected. Jesus is going to be angry with her. But that's not the response she gets. That's not the response we get. It took courage to admit her faith-filled action, but she knew she'd been made whole, and she knew that it was even more to come. So she comes to him and listens to his response. He says this to you. Daughter, son, he looks down at this woman who's trembling in fear. I imagine he reaches down, breaking the physical barrier. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go and peace. Peace. 12 years. Experience peace. You're suffering. Imagine The weeping of all the brokenness restored. She knows it to be true. Your suffering is over. Man, you may feel unqualified. You may feel isolated out. You may hear voices in your head that tell you everything and all that's going on in your life is too much for you. That you're not good enough. That you're not worthy of love. You may feel isolated by this trial, this COVID, this sin struggle that just continually takes you down and keeps grips on you. That pain, that issue that you're wrestling. But it's choosing to overcome that fear that I'll be rejected and let somebody in or call to Jesus because we serve a God who turns around (laughs) into our mess if we'll just bring it to him. So I'm going to pray for us. Whatever issue it is that's keeping you from that turnaround moment where you turn to him and maybe it's a long season of turning back to him, I can guarantee you're going to experience him turning around to you. Son, daughter, your suffering's over. Be made whole in me. So I'm about to pray for us. This, you, you may need to pray to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. This may be a moment for you just to shut out what I'm saying, and you pray on your own. This may be a time for you to recommit 2020 to God. I'm going to chase after you again. I'm sorry I've ignored you and just showed up on Sundays. God, I, I need you. So church family, would you just pray with me wherever you're at? Father in heaven, Jesus, I am so thankful that you are still the God of the turnaround. In my life, in our life, Lord, right now, we just want to lift you up as king. You're so worthy of our life and worthy of our love. And, God, you know we all have issues. You allow us to walk in them. And so right now, God, we cast them to you. God, we give you this struggle. We give you this sin. We we, we call out to you now and say, God, we need you. Would you meet us here? Would you show those people in the room that have been struggling, holding on to this in silence, Lord, that they're not alone, that you see them, that you love them, that you've just been waiting. God, that this would be the day of the turnaround in our life. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for seeing past our stuff. We embrace you today. We open our hearts. Speak to us now in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Pastor Mike a hand clap today. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.